Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're on our series called The Secret Sauce of Prayer and Fasting. Every year at the beginning of the first 21 days of the year, we commit the year and our hearts to God through prayer and fasting. Today's day 19. Only two days to go. We're pressing into what God has for you. It's been an awesome time, challenging time, but great time. And uh, so I'm excited about what God has in store for us. So if you uh, want to jump into what we're talking about today, our sermon, you've got your worship notes are going to be available there in your uh, worship guide. What did I say? Worship notes? Sermon notes. Thank you. Sermon notes available in your worship guide. And then you can also go to Version Bible app to get your sermon notes, download them there. But... We always expect God to speak to us every time we open the Bible. We're pumped about it. We think He wants to talk to us more than we want to talk to Him. So every time we open the Bible, we get excited about it. So if you've got those Bibles today, open them up to Matthew chapter 9. Woo! Matthew chapter 9. That's what I'm talking about. I heard you overflow. I heard you back there. Matthew chapter 9. Two things we're going to talk about today. Are you ready? Two things. Number one, we're going to talk about fasting just to encourage us on these last three days. If you've not been a part of, you've not joined in with us in our prayer and fasting, you've got three days you can jump in right now. If you started and then you stopped somewhere in the process, I'm going to encourage you today to jump in as a family for these last three days that we press in. I like to say it this way, I don't want to limp across the finish line, I want to run through the tape. See, my body sometimes once at the end wants to just, you know, quit, start doing this and compromise this. I'm like, no, no, I'm running through the tape, baby. I'm running through first base. I'm not stopping short. I'm going through. So I encourage you to jump in. Do something these next three days. I believe we're going to see something happening in our church as we pray and fast together, even over these next three days together in unity. Maybe you say, okay, I'm going to eat one meal a day for the next three days, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read more. Whatever it is you want to do. You just press in for more of God, and as we do that together, I believe God's going to bring breakthrough in individual lives as well as us corporately. If you found Matthew chapter 9, as you can tell, I'm, I'm excited about it. Look at verse uh, 14. To, I, said, I told you two things we're going to talk about. I told you only the first one. First one's fasting. Second, we're going to talk about praying bold, persistent prayers. We're going to talk about fasting, and we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to hit them both. Are you ready? was hit fasting first. Then disciples of John, I'm in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 9. If you're not there, get there. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. <laughs> Anybody ever felt like that? You're fasting and somebody else isn't? And you want to drag them down? What do you think you're doing, Nadia? I'm fat. You know, you got to watch that. If you want to fast, fast on your own. Fast on your, out of your own heart. Don't be angry. Anoint your head, wash your face. Don't be grouchy pants just because you're fasting. <laughs> if you're fasting and you're grouchy, get your heart right. Three days. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, but why, why do we fast? You're, but your disciples don't. Jesus, aren't they as spiritual as we are? Here's, notice Jesus' answer. This is so cool. He says, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will what? They will, they will fast. So this is Jesus talking. There's a principle said, hey, when I'm gone, after that, they're going to fast. So it's a biblical principle that Jesus is enforcing again, saying fasting is something I want you to do. After I'm out of here, 
they will fast. So I'm just reinforcing the principle and why it's here. But notice what happens next. In the context of fasting, here's what he says. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins would break. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, he uses two analogies here after fasting, in the context of fasting. I could talk about both of them, but for time's sake, I'm only going to hit one of them. I'm going to hit the wineskins part. Notice what he says. He said, they don't put new wine into old wineskins. I promise you, we did not talk before the message in our song list. I came out at our team rally before the service, and they were singing this new wine. I hadn't looked at the song list, and I'm like, you guys don't even know that my first scripture is talking about new wine. I think God may have been in part of what we were doing this morning. Give it up for our worship team. So thankful. So notice what happens. He says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. So what does this look like? Wineskins were containers made of animal skin. And they, they would seal them. So they'd pour this new wine into these animal skins containers and they would seal them. And what would happen, the fermentation process of wine, when it ferments, gases are released and pressure builds up in there. And so a new wineskin is soft and flexible, and it's a little bit elastic. So as that wine, that gases and pressure causes that to expand, a new one will expand with it and make room and increase its capacity to contain what's growing on the inside of it. The pressure of that new wine causes that thing to push out and its capacity can actually increase because it's soft, flexible, and elastic. But now an old wine skin, after it's been expanded one time, starts to get stiff and rigid. And so now you put new wine into that old wine skin that's already settled, it's already stiff, and it's already rigid, and you seal that up when those gases are released and it starts to expand, that old one won't expand. It's already reached its predetermined, predetermined limit. And it says, I can't go any further. And so then those gases and that pressure of the new thing building and growing on the inside of it literally burst the container and it says the container is ruined or useless. Now, why is Jesus using that analogy when talking about fasting? We like that analogy, but we've not always tied it to fasting. Is it possible that fasting keeps us soft and flexible for the new thing that God wants to pour into your heart? I believe this, that what we're believing for is new wine inside of us. I'm not talking about literal wine. I'm talking about the move of God, the presence of God, the new thing that God wants to do in you. I believe God wants to increase your capacity in 2020. But if we get old and stiff and rigid, then the new thing that God wants to pour into us, the pressure is going to come. When I say I'm praying for increase in your life, I'm not praying for comfort in your life. Because what comes with increase is pressure. We, we, i got to find somebody who wants to agree with me. We don't, we don't want the pressure. We want the increase of capacity terms. And we want, we want the growth and all those kind of, that kind of language. But do we want the pressure that literally causes that increased capacity? I believe this. Prayer and fasting 
is humbling ourselves before God. And it keeps us soft and flexible. Say, God, I want new wine. Here I am. I'm a vessel. I'm just a vessel. Pour into me that new wine. And Lord, I'm going to be soft and flexible for the new thing you want to do in 2020. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to think, the new way of thinking, the new perspective, the new way I treat my spouse, the new way I handle my finances, the new way I handle my, fe- my health, the new way I handle my coworkers, whatever it is, you're increasing my capacity. I want to stay soft and flexible. So I'm believing for increase for the Roads Church in 2020 in your life and our life together. But we got to be soft and flexible to do it. And Jesus said a key to being soft and flexible is fasting. We're we're not going to be stiff and rigid. Don't let your age or your length of service limit the new thing that God wants to do in your heart. Your age is a number. It don't mean nothing. I know that's bad grammar, but it feels better to say it that way. It It doesn't mean a thing. Just because you reach a certain age, you are not an old vessel. Just, just because you've got a certain number beside your name, you're not an old vessel. A new vessel is just soft and flexible. It doesn't matter how old it is. Whew. I'm believing God for new things. So that's what fasting is about. He's, he's wanting to stay soft and flexible. So we're, anybody want uh, God to do something new in your life in 2020? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody believing for increase in their capacity in 2020? Well, guess what? Pressure's coming. I'm going to say it this way. We'll catch everybody. Overflow, catching you. Pressure's coming to everybody. It's coming. It's whether we're going to be able to expand to contain it or not. Pressure's going to come. We're not praying, God, give me a pressure-free life. No, no, no. God, help me expand to whatever pressure comes that I'll be able to contain it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, that's fasting. Now let's go into prayer. You guys got that? You ready to expand? Ready to grow? All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 been giving you principles on establishing prayer in our lives. been giving you these basic principles for establishing a prayer life because here's what I believe God wants to do. God wants to take the prayer life of this church to a whole nother level. People that haven't prayed are going to start praying. People that quit praying are going to start again. People that prayed for just a little bit, just prayed over the food, they're going to start having prayer time in a closet with God, in a secret place with God. I believe God's taking your communication level to Him to a whole nother level this morning. So two basic principles I've given you already. Number one, when and where that we set a time and a place. Hopefully you're doing that. You're finding a place where you and God can get alone, a secret place, just you and him every day, when and where. Number two, I told you what, we pray word-based prayers. What are we going to pray? We're not praying our desires. We're praying what he says. Praying his word back to him, right? Praying his word, speaking his word, his will. Number three, we talked about how. How praying bold prayers is about praying bold and praying believing. Bold and believing. I'm going to stay with bold today. Believing will be next week. I encourage you, man, bring somebody for next week. We're going to talk about praying, believing, and the difference that makes. I wanted to do that this week, but I didn't have time. I want to get into these things about praying bold. So let's pray bold. Pray bold. Everybody say bold. bold. We're going to pray boldly. Now, remember this about boldness. In the kingdom of heaven, boldness and humility are not opposites. It's a little bit of false humility in the world. Where we think boldness and humility are not the same. In the kingdom of heaven, boldness and humility are not opposites. So don't be afraid to be bold. Bold is not pride. People think bold and pride are synonymous and boldness and humility are opposites. It is not true. In the kingdom of heaven, I can be humble and bold at the same time. 
So let's see what that looks like. Have you found Hebrews chapter 4? Look at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, thank you, Jesus, yet without sin, thank you even more. Because of that, let us therefore, because seeing Jesus has passed through the heavens and came down to earth and was all points tempted as we are yet without sin and has returned to heaven seated at the right hand of the Father to daily pray for us, seeing therefore, because of that, let us therefore come what? Come come what? That's not very bold. Let us come what? That's what I'm talking about. Again, bold is not a feeling. Bold is not an emotion. We're not going to feel bold every time we speak bold. You know, it's not pumping yourself up to feel bold. We got to get it out of our head. We come boldly. What does the word boldly mean? That word boldly just means, again, boldness or confidence in speech, outspokenness, freedom, frankness, or candor in speech. So we come boldly to what? We come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, we talked about this verse last week, but there's a couple things that I feel like we want to highlight again. We come boldly to the throne of grace. Why can we do that? Because of Ephesians 3.12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. Can I, is, is my boldness and confidence coming into the presence of God based on me? No, it's because of Because of him, because of Christ, because of Jesus. We're not coming bold because we're good. We're coming bold because he's good. It's not about us. Get over yourself. Get over myself. I'm coming boldly and confident, not because I feel good about me, but because I believe good about him. Get our believer right. We're measuring our boldness and confidence based on our own value. Based on our own measurement of our self-worth and we think we've been good enough. We can come bold because I've been good enough. It's not attached to that. It's because of Christ. It's because of his grace. Just emphasizing that again. So now we're coming boldly. Doesn't mean I'm coming in bossy. Coming boldly doesn't mean I come in bossy. Coming in boldly means I come in honest. I'm just coming in honest. Telling it like it is. Outspoken. Free speech, that's what it means. So what are we coming boldly to? We're coming boldly to the throne of? The throne represents his place of authority or rule. So this is where God's ruling from. Get this imagery into your head. When you come to pray to Jesus, maybe you've just heard of the great white throne of judgment and you got this image in your head, I'm coming to pray to this guy who's angry over sin and ready to punish everybody. No, you need to get this in your head that you're coming to a throne of grace. Throne of grace, what does grace mean? Grace means goodwill, means favor, kindness, graciousness. So God sits on a throne of grace. He sits on a throne of graciousness. He sits on a throne of kindness. He sits on a throne of favor. Now, this does not speak of him blindly or turning a blind eye to sin. It doesn't speak to uh, just overlooking anything that we've done. It doesn't speak to we can live however we want and it doesn't matter. The throne of grace does not speak to our side at all. It speaks to what we will find when we come to him. Do you get that clarity? The throne of grace isn't a rubber stamp of you living how you want. It's the throne of grace is a picture, an image of the disposition of how, what we will find when we come to him. 
It's how he treats you. It's how he's going to talk to you. I sit on the throne of grace. So when you come to him and you bring your jacked up life full of sin, he don't care because he sits on the throne of grace. It's not going to move him. It's not that I come to him when I'm good and when I'm bad, I hide. No, he says, come to me. I sit on the throne of grace. Now, let me go to this next part. So it doesn't speak of our side, but we got to come. We got to come to this throne. We got, look at your name and say, come to the throne. Just go on. Has anybody ever had somebody knocking at your door and like it was, it was open or it was unlocked and you holler at them, come on in, door's open. You ever done that? They're out there knocking. How silly is it if you, hey, come on in. I said, come on in. It's open already. Be kind of weird. You ever heard people talking about prayer and they're like, I'm just pounding the gates of heaven. Praying that God will hear me. Well, guess what? The gate's open. Come on in. Come on in. Come boldly to the throne. It doesn't say stand feebly at the outer gates begging and pleading. He says, hey, come on in to the throne of grace. Come on in. All right, so now let's look at the next part. What are we going to get when we get there? What are we going to get when we come boldly to the throne? Let's therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? We'll obtain mercy. Mercy is leniency and compassion. I talked about this. Remember, obtaining is receiving something where the initiative is on the giver's side, but the object of the transfer is on the receiver's side. This is so important about coming to the throne of grace. I'm just hitting this point again because I think this is a hurdle we need to get through. Obtaining something is where the giver decides what is supplied. But the receiver determines whether a transfer is made. I don't decide what God's made available to me. That's why we don't boss God around and tell him what to give us. Take away the pressure. Take away the condemnation. I don't determine what's offered or what's supplied. But I do have a say-so in whether it's transferred to me or not. That's how we're doing it. That's what prayer is about. So now, so we come to, we find, we obtain mercy. And what's the next part? This is a phrase I want to hit on today. Obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help. What are we finding? Grace. Grace. Not just grace as well, but it says grace to help. Finding grace to help. What does that mean? The word grace, same word. Goodwill, freely dispersed by God. Kindness, favor, and graciousness. So we're going to find grace to help. What does the word help mean? The word help means contributing to a need or contributing to the supply of something. The the fulfillment of a need or the supply of what is lacking. You could say it that way. The fulfillment of a need or supply of what is lacking. So put those two together. When we come to the throne of grace, we will find grace to help. What is that? Grace to help together. That means out of God's goodwill, graciousness, kindness, and favor, he willingly and and abundantly wants to supply whatever's need and whatever's lacking in your life. What are we going to find? We're going to find that God has a grace to help. He has a kindness to help. He has has a, a heart to help, to supply what's needed. That's what we're going to find, that God has... When we come to the throne, we don't find a reluctance to help. We find a grace to help. Am I connecting yet on what this word is saying to you? You should be more excited. He has a grace to help you. He has a joy to help you. I'm telling you, and the reason I'm emphasizing this, because God told me that we're going to have to break down religious mindsets about prayer. That people are fixed, that God's angry, and he's reluctant, and he's holding out. And God said, you've got to get my picture across to my children, that I have a grace to help them. 
I want to help them. My kindness and my, my abundance I want to give to them. I, I want to help them. That's what we're going to find. We're going to find a grace to help. Now, now, where are we going to find the grace to help? We're going to find it at the throne of grace. We're going to find the grace to help in prayer. Where are we going to find the grace to help? We're going to find it in prayer. Why do we need to pray? Because what are we going to find? We're going to find the supply of everything that we're lacking. Where are we going to find the grace to help? He says, he's talking about, we're going to find it at the throne of grace. But notice, he says, we got to find grace to help. Everybody say find. So we're going to find the grace to help where? We're going to find it at the throne of grace in prayer. So we've got, to, we've got to pray because that's where God's going to fulfill our need and supply what is lacking. But we've got to find it. Everybody say find. Find. Finding something means it's already there. Find grace to help. We're going to find grace to help. We're going to find it. We'll find it. Find, find me. It's already there. The grace to help is already available to us, but we have to come find it in, in prayer. When you found something, is not when it got there. How many of you ever said you've been looking for something, and you looked everywhere, and you couldn't find it? Maybe you asked for help for somebody, and they come look at the same place you just looked. Spouses, just look straight ahead. <laughs> you come. Right? And you may say to them, you may say, it's not there. I already looked. And then they go and find it. Right where you were looking. The other day, I'm in my closet, and I'm looking for this coat. And I'm going through, and I, I don't see it. I don't see it. And so I, I remember hollering out of the closet, hey, you see my coat? Thankfully, I don't think she heard. So I'm like, I don't know. Somebody was taking it out of here. And I'm, so I'm through, I finally start going through little by little. Well, it was on a hanger that had slid down and back behind. It was there the whole time, but I didn't see it. So when I found my coat is not when my coat appeared. When we find the grace to help is not when it showed up. When, when I find what God's wanting to put into my life is not when it was made available. It's just when I found it. That's when I found it. He says, find the grace to help. In other words, we got to go looking for it. And sometimes, how many know, <laughs> we don't always look so well. We don't, we don't always look so well. Prayer is a treasure hunt. Notice what he says. Find the grace to help in time of need. Because if we find the grace to help at the throne of grace or in prayer, if we find what we need, what's lacking in prayer, what happens if we don't come in prayer? Will we find it? We will find grace to help where in prayer. So if I don't go to prayer, will I find it? It's not going to happen. So now, find grace to help. You got that part? We're going to find grace to help in time of need. What does that mean? This is so good. In time of need. Everybody say, in time of need. In time of need. We think that this verse reads this way. We think that that verse means this, that the grace to help will show up when we need it. Maybe you don't, but that's just the first thing that came to my mind that we think that this scripture is saying, and find grace to help in time of need means that the grace that I need will show up when I need it. That's not what it means. It's what I thought it meant. So if you're farther along, then praise God that I had the patience that I'm coming to your level. But I, but I didn't know. I thought it just meant, and I just always thought that. I don't mean that sarcastically. I just always thought it meant that grace was going to show up when I need it. But as I studied it, I found out he was saying something else. And here's what I found. Notice that find grace to help comes before the time of need. 
in the sentence, find grace to help, then comes time of need. Stay with me. It took me hours to get this. So I'm, I'm not expecting you to get this in a second. But I'm telling you, notice it says, find grace to help in time of need. Which comes first? The time of need or finding the grace to help? Finding the grace to help. It comes first. So now we put these together. We come, don't take it out of the context of prayer. Remember, we're talking about prayer specifically. In contextual application of the scripture, we're coming to the throne of grace boldly. And when we come boldly to the throne of grace, we find grace to help in time of need. When do I find the grace to help? In prayer. Before the time of need. Prayer is preparation. Prayer is not supposed to be about just the needs that I know about. God's wanting you to find grace to help for a time of need that's going to come later. Here's what we do. We get it backwards. We wait for the time of need. And then we want to go find the grace to help. God said that's reactionary Christianity. He believes in preparatory Christianity. He believes in preparing you for the things of hell, ahead. So he's saying, listen, the, the scripture says this, your father knows what you have need of before you even ask. So here's what he's saying. When you come to me in prayer and you come to find the grace to help, I'm going to give you what's lacking and supply what you need before the time of need shows up. This is why we get excited about prayer because I'm coming to get stuff I don't even know I need yet. There's some things that you're going to find in prayer that you don't even have a need of yet. The time of need hasn't come. Hadn't come yet. But when the time of need comes, what? You've already found the grace to help. Does that help you? Man, this blessed me. I got excited to think about that. Lord, I need to pray more because there's stuff I don't even know is coming yet that you know is what's coming. And you're going to start supplying me with this stuff. I'm like, why do I need that? Why, God, why are you telling me that? What does that make any difference? What's going on in my life? I'm not facing that. He said, <laughs> Jesus, he don't even know. <laughs> he don't even know. We got it. He don't know what's happening tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, he don't know the phone call's coming. He, he, don't, he don't know what's happening. He don't know. But we know. So we're putting in him. I'm finding something in prayer. I'm uncovering something in prayer that I'm going to need for later. Whew, find grace to help in time of needs. In time of need. So, see, the time of need is not about a single event. Can I say it this way? Find grace to help. Slow down. I want to get all this out in a short amount of time. Find grace to help in a time of need. Sometimes we think it's, he'll give me what I need when I need it, is about a thing. Instead of understanding what we're supposed to find, that grace to help, we think short-sightedly when we think that what God wants to give you is about an event instead of about development. God doesn't want to put things in you for a thing. He wants to put things in you for anything. Well, he, he wants to supply what is lacking, fulfill, fulfill every need in your life, so that whatever you're facing, boom, I'm prepared. I'm ready. Because in our mind, we'll say, man, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't know that was coming. And we may not. But our spirit is. If we'll spend time in prayer, God can put things in our spirit. He can put a peace on you that you don't even know why. 
You're just like, man, I just, I just got a peace today. I don't, I don't know what it is about me, but man, it's, I'm not stressed about anything. I've got this peace. All of a sudden, bam, you get this news. You're laid off. Whoa. Whoa. Why am I not wigging out? Why am I not going crazy? Why am I not punching a wall? Why am I not? Why am I not? Why am I not? Because he supplied what was needed before the time of need came. That's what God wants to do in prayer. He wants to supply you something. He knows what's going to happen that night after supper between you and your spouse. So in prayer that morning, he's making your vessel soft and flexible. He knows what's going to happen at your job. He, he knows what we need of before we ask. So if we'll come to him, we'll find the grace to help, the goodness, the kindness to supply what is lacking and fulfill every need way before the time of need comes. Anybody want to pray now? Uh, we got needs coming. We got needs coming. So we got to be ready. So now, what does this look like? What does finding the grace to help look like? Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We're going to land the plane right here. Luke chapter 11. Whoo, Jesus. I'm thankful for you first service people. You let me practice. <laughs> let me practice on my timing and what I can get to and what I can't. That way, second service online and Mount Carmel, man, it just keeps going up and up. <laughs> Luke chapter 11. Some of you obviously don't believe that. You're like, I don't believe it gets any better at all. Luke chapter 11. <laughs> You're good people. Yes, you are. Luke chapter 11. Have you found it? Stay focused, people. Now, okay, this, is, this, is what, this is what praying, praying bold prayers looks like. Finding. Remember, you find grace. So prayer's about finding something. Prayer's not about begging God just to give you something. Prayer's about finding something that's already there. Get revelation. Get revelation. We think, we think God is Santa Claus. We come to him with our list and say, we want this, 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 and this. And then if we don't get this, 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 and this, we think he's failed. We don't think we have any responsibility to find what's available. Oh, Jesus. Luke, let me just read this. Now it came to pass as he was praying. Verse 1, as he was praying in a certain place, Jesus was praying. When he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to what? So is there a right way to pray or a wrong way to pray? Jesus taught them how to pray. They, they evidently saw the value in prayer. They heard him pray. They saw his lifestyle. They saw, they looked, they, they heard how Jesus prayed and they saw the fruit of his life. And what did they say? Hey, teach us to pray. I know the money is in the prayer. That's where my bread's going to be, but teach me to pray. Lord, I'm over here going just, God bless my food. I don't know what's going on, but I've seen the fruit of your life. Teach me to pray. That's what's happened. That's why we got to pray. This was, uh, said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 5, which of you, so this is in the context of prayer. We're still teaching on prayer. So this next parable is still about prayer. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, saying, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. What kind of friend is that? Yet because of his... Wait a minute. 
He won't give it to him because he's his friend. I'm not talking about an enemy. I'm talking, not talking about the rude neighbor that you don't like. I'm talking about this is your pal. This is your homie. This is your friend. This is your BFF. If he won't rise and give it because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Hold on. So this is what bold prayer looks like. This is what finding looks like. Praying boldly is praying persistently. What does the word persistent mean? means pressing solicitation, urgent requests with troublesome frequency, shameless immodesty, or audacity. Audacity. I don't have much time for this. How, how, How much different would our world look like without electricity, without recorded sound, or without video? How different would our world look like? Sometimes it takes a while for these things to light. All right, go ahead and hit the lights. How different would our world look like if it wasn't for electricity? It would look like this. This is what our world would look like. You would all have to have a candle, no electricity, no light bulbs, no no stage lights, nothing. All right, turn the lights back on. But because one man was persistent, Thomas Edison Thomas Edison pressed through to find the answer he's looking for. Do you know this about Thomas Edison? His team logged 10,000 failed prototypes before creating the first viable light bulb. 10,000. 10,000 failed attempts. Here's a quote that Thomas Edison said. He said, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Some of prayer... We need to know that some of prayer is a little bit of perspiration. I'm not talking about trying to convince him to do. I'm talking about trying to find. Persistence in prayer sometimes is just trying to find what God's already supplied for us. In our society, we have this lotto mentality that we just want things to come to us. We don't want to work for them. We don't want to persist. And Thomas Edison said, hey, genius, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. 10,000 failed attempts, right? No, no, no. That's not what Tommy said. Here's what Tommy said about those 10,000. He said, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've not even failed once. I have succeeded in proving that those 10,000 ways will not work. When I've eliminated the ways that will not work, I will find the way that will work. I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found that that way won't work. But if I keep going, I'm going to find it. What do we find? We find the grace to help in prayer. So how do we pray? We pray persistently. We pray until we find it. What if you haven't got an answer in prayer? Keep, keep searching. What do you do if you know you've lost something in your house, but you say this, I know it's here somewhere. You keep searching until you, until you find it. Why are we giving up in prayer just because we haven't found the answer yet? Just because we haven't seen breakthrough yet. Just because we've experienced disappointment or discouragement. We keep praying until we find the answer. Because we know when we find it's not when it got there. Because it's already available to us. There's things that I haven't found the answer to yet. There's questions that I have. Questions I have about my life. Questions I have about why this isn't happening. Why that happened. I I have all kinds of questions. So what do I do? I got two options. I can either quit praying and say, evidently, God doesn't want me to know, or I can keep searching for it till I find it. 
I'm choosing to pray persistently. I'm choosing to press in. Because notice this is talking about prayer still. Look at verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will. Persistent prayer you'll find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open to you. Let me say this to you in the Amplified Version. Verse 10 says this, For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives. And he who keeps on seeking persistently finds. And to him who knock, uh, keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be open. Here's what prayer is. Sum it up with this. We come to the throne of grace because we know that he has a grace to give. He's got a grace to help you. And we're going to find grace to help. Find the grace to help for my time of need. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.